0: podcast I am Brian Buckley this is being recorded on April 1st 2015 to hit the internets on April 2nd 2015 follow me at Brian Buck 13 on Twitter you can listen and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes TuneIn radio and YouTube hello everyone how are you it is April 1st April Fool's Day insert terrible joke that's been retweeted a million times to try and tell your friends which isn't funny how is everybody? The weather is getting warmer. Baseball is—I say this all the time—it's—it's it's upon us, but it really is this time. This Sunday, the first game of the year, the St. Louis Cardinals take on the Chicago Cubs in a—I don't want to use the word if i will, I will use it—dilapidated Wrigley Field. How many people will it hold? Bleachers can hardly hold anyone. They'll be ready at some point during the season. Forget about that, right? Why would you want to worry about the team, the, the stadium that actually houses the fans where your team plays? But regardless, the weather is getting warmer. There was a large uh, fiery ball in the sky today called a sun, which radiated warmth. It was still cold, but I felt spring. I could smell spring, like like when you smell, you could smell rain coming in the summer and it hits the pavement. I'm the uh, I'm the weather sniffer. The weather sniffer. Uh, even though my, I, I got my wife trained, she still asks to see if it's okay to turn on the heat. Uh, maybe in almost an embarrassing or, or remorseful way of asking, is it okay? I've, and it's this has been instilled in her by me, and it's been instilled in myself by my loving parents, who the Buckley Manor is affectionately known as the Icebox, and for good reason there the heat is quite a luxury there i mean it's 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 not ruled with an iron fist but the word is known that the ice box rules supreme so keep that in mind my my wife has actually told her 86 year old grandmother that i refuse to let her as if there's some sort of dominating heat control in the home i i don't know what to say there but We have a few things to talk about today. We are going to talk about baseball. Uh, I I decided to split the previews of the divisions up. I don't think anyone wants want to listen to a podcast where I just name names. He named names. Uh, Names, uh, stats, everything. No one wants to listen to that. They'll fall asleep. That's not very interesting. So we're going to go division by division. If we get to the NL West three weeks from now, so be it. Who really cares? We'll start with the AL East today because that's my specialty. That's my specialty. We will we'll talk about some other things. We'll talk about things I'd like to complain about. Yeah, there was a few things last week about my trip to Puerto Rico that I wanted to bring up and just go over talk about. And I will get to that because I do like complaining. It's it's been it's been a uh, a hobby of mine a young age. Speaking of my parents, you can ask them. But we will begin with basketball and not the college variety. We are going to begin. With the NBA and with the team down in the mecca of basketball, New York City, and the world's most famous arena, the New York Knicks. And Mr. Phil Jackson, who joined the team last year in a front office capacity, just has a message for all the Knicks fans who are enduring the worst season in New York Knicks history. 69 years of existence the New York Knicks have never had a record as bad as they do now they have never been as awful and pathetic even throughout all the years through the Isaiah Thomas years through any of the post-Ewing era has it been this awful in the New York Knicks franchise now team president Phil Jackson has arrived on the scene well he arrived 13 months ago the Zen master, he's known as. The coach. The architect. Well, I don't know if he's the architect, but he's the coach, and uh, his philosophy can be construed as architect-like. I'm an architect. Uh, of the Chicago Bulls. The award-winning, the championship-winning. They did win any other awards and championships. Maybe ESPYs, but those don't really count because they're meaningless, and they don't... No one pays attention to those. But he was the man who... Took all those Chicago Bulls teams to championships, those Los Angeles Lakers teams of late to championships, and he joined the team last year, 13 months ago, as a, as the president of the Knicks with the task of turning this team around, bringing it back to its glory days. Now, let's think about this for a second. The New York Knicks have not been the champions of the National Basketball Association since 1973. 1973. Think about that for a second. 1973. Richard Nixon was still in office, bad mouthing Jews. O.J. Simpson had just become the first runner ever to run for 2,000 yards, presumably not killing people yet. And in that same year, rapper Nas was born. And uh, A.C. Slater, Mario Lopez from Saved by the Bell, and Rick. Uh, I forget his actual name. <laughs> that's terrible. Andrew Lincoln who plays Rick in The Walking Dead were all born that year. That is the last time the New York Knicks won a championship. A city of New York's a city in the form of New York City that prides themselves as the hoops hotbed that play in the world's most famous arena have not won a title in over 40 years. Now tonight they play the Brooklyn Nets who have joined the city of New York and, you know, months ago, maybe maybe a few years ago, you'd think this is when both teams are going to start getting together, getting it together. This is this is what it's about. In fact, what is it about? It's two terrible teams. And as pathetic as the Eastern Conference is, the Brooklyn Nets still have a shot of making the playoffs. But the New York Knicks are 14-60 and 60 tonight. Well, not tonight. Well, they'll, they'll have another record after the game tonight because something will obviously happen. Good job. There we go. But... What, what What is Phil Jackson doing at this point? Now, no one expects the world to turn on its axis immediately. He's had 13 months now, though. He came in here and collected $60 million from an incompetent owner in James Dolan who wants to buy the Daily News for a dollar. Story for another day. So what exactly is he doing? Well, what he's doing is telling everyone to just calm down. You know, Calm down, he's got it under control. Everyone, relax. Just relax, like Aaron Rodgers. Relax. Nick fans don't want to hear that. Nick fans have gone through over forty years of relaxing. And this guy who has an ego, the size of New York City, comes home, quote unquote, as he was a former player on those last teams that won a championship. Let's forget let's not forget that fact. That's how long it's been. This man, who can barely walk now, was on those teams. He says they have a clear plan and expect their efforts to really take shape as we enter the 2015 draft and free agency in the months ahead. I ask you to remain optimistic and hope you will join us on a continued journey as we build a team that once again reflects the spirit of being a New York Nick. Why would anyone want to listen to that? Listen to these arrogant, egotistical comments from a journey, a journey of being the worst team in the NBA. Come on come along, come along for the journey. A journey of being terrible, of the laughing stock of the NBA. Now to give Jackson some give him some leniency, although I don't agree with the signing of Carmelo Anthony long term, he was a major player on this team and he had shut it down for the season after he put on a rousing display in the All Star game that will live to the test of time. What a display. Boy, remember Melo in the All-Star game? <laughs> That's what it's all about, bro. We got championships. I'm talking All-Star games. Oh, man. But this guy is someone who... His ego has grown leaps and bounds throughout the years. And why not? He's won 10 championships. 10 championships in the NBA beats out everyone. That's most in history. Let's also not forget, he has coached the greatest players... In the history of basketball, that being Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and you can even throw in Dennis Rodman to a lesser extent as, well, hey yeah, not the hell with it. I mean, he may not be up there in the echelon of those four previously said names, but still a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. He will, there's, there's absolutely no doubt. If you go to Springfield, he's there. I think this man is starting to think that his triangle offenses and his philosoph- philosophical way of looking at the game and approaching a team is bigger <laughs> than he, than the, the the abilities of those players that he coached. I think he thinks that that he is the reason they won, not those players. Now, he also said. We've made some key roster moves to free up significant cap space that will provide us greater flexibility to acquire talent in the summer's free agency. It's not a great free agency this summer either. So, a lot of Knicks fans, you hear them saying, I really like Greg Monroe, I really like Marcus Gasol. They're under contract. They can't just leave their teams. The Knicks have what to offer. Langston Galloway. Shane Larkin. Jason Smith. Quincy AC. Okay. And he also made this this nugget which trying to turn the ultimate negative into an ultimate positive. And for the first time in many years we expect to have a top pick in the NBA draft this June. That's because you're awful. The team is terrible. That isn't just some some like they achieved that through through positive positive things. (laughs) You're getting it because you are the worst team in the NBA. If you finish with... If the Knicks finish with the worst record in the NBA, they will have... They can go no no longer than fourth in the NBA draft. That is what... That is what Phil Jackson is saying when he says that. So where do we go from here? I don't know. Phil Jackson... He's got a draft and he's got a free agency, period. And then what? Then we're working on year number two. Year number two with Phil Jackson. I don't know. As a Knicks fan, you got to start to think it's the same old thing. The same old thing. He was a savior. He came here, you thought things are finally changing. Jim Dolan, when he's not drunken, or not drunken, excuse me accusing people of being drunks in emails, people he doesn't even know, and trashing them. thought maybe he, he, he did something right for once. Finally, proactive activity. He signed Phil Jackson. That guy has championships. He has championships for this team. And maybe like Biggie said, it was all a dream. I just... Maybe it was just a facade. I don't know. But his time is starting to run out. And for him to tell us, well, not me, I'm not a Nick fan, but to tell the Nick fans to relax is you're not winning anybody there. You're not winning anybody over with comments like that. And when he, and he also likes to, and in addition, to using social media to appear as if everything's okay and joking around about it. This was on the 29th of March. We will rebuild a team that fits together. Guys that want to compete and play the way B-ball gods approve. So he thinks that he and the basketball gods, the all-knowing basketball gods, which there are no basketball gods, so let's cut the shit. Let's get our head out of our ass. There are no basketball gods. That's fancy little stuff that writers and analysts like to use. There's no basketball gods. He thinks that, but he thinks these basketball gods, oh, excuse me, hashtag ground up, meaning they have to be as bad as they can before they can go up. Maybe he has a plan. Phil Jackson has accomplished a lot more in his craft than I have ever accomplished. I will say it right now. Not that it even needs to be said. Maybe he does have a plan, but his, his clock is ticking. It's ticking bad. And I think everyone's sort of looking at this season as the mulligan, saying, all right, you want to go down to the nitty-gritty, get down all the way to the bottom, embarrass them, and you know what? Build the team up the way he wants to. Like he said, hashtag ground up. But if this doesn't happen, and I'm telling you, Carmelo Anthony is not going to – I don't need to repeat myself. I've said on the podcast before I'm not a Carmelo Anthony fan, and I think as, as old as he gets – not as old as he gets. We're all getting older. The older he gets, the less effective he's going to be and less of a teammate he's going to be. He is not a guy to build a team around. He's not always in the best shape. He's a great scorer. I sincerely think this, and I don't know Carmelo Anthony, and, I, and this is merely an opinion. I think he's the kind of guy who would rather score 40 and lose than 17 and win. Carmelo Anthony came into the draft, I think, with someone in the greatest player in the world, possibly the greatest player ever, and in a Hall of Famer and Dwayne Wade, that greatest player being LeBron James. And I think Carmelo Anthony sees the rest of that. And he says, I'm better than them. In his mind, I think it have to be. And he plays the way he wants to play. And that is not a team basketball. Not a team basketball. Not a team basketball game. So, I think, I'm not sure if Phil Jackson really wanted him. But ultimately he signed him. So, you can't say that. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. He seems to know it all, but... We move on. Nick fans, I feel sorry for you because I don't see this ending well. And I see Phil Jackson and his mantra, his aura, the Zen master, leaving town with his tail between his legs. But we shall see later on down the line. Now, there are a few things last week that I really should have brought up that pissed me off, and it has nothing to do with sports. I just It was sort of a... a I guess I'm using my podcast as an outlet. Well, that's a good idea. I I think it's a great idea. Instead of just saying it to random people on the street, they'd be very confused. I flew last week from, where did I go from? Hartford to Puerto Rico, and then Puerto Rico to Hartford. I flew on Southwest Airlines. If you've never been on Southwest Airlines, it is an experience like no other. What they like to do is they like to promote the idea that, hey, there are no assigned seats here. No assigned seats, you can sit wherever you want. And what their deal is, you sign in 24 hours, you check in 24 hours before your flight is about to leave, and you are get you are assigned a letter and a number. And I'm, if you know all this, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to listen to it fast forward then. But they give you a letter and a number, and what they do is they have a little little lot. They have a you go to each gate, and they have uh, little markers where you stand. with your corresponding number obviously if you get a you're in the a group b c now that it changes from the group from a and then when a is done it changes to b so there's only one line there and you all line up in the spot like idiots so what some people do is because for some reason people have an obsession on getting onto an airplane first as if it will get to the their get them to their destination quicker which i can attest to you does not work because you don't fly the plane you sit in the seat um I actually witnessed someone with C not moving out of my way. I had A. They were sitting there ready in their spot, holding their ticket like some sort of like zombie, just holding their ticket there waiting, entranced, getting in line to get on that plane early. It's, and I think there, who, somebody on Twitter uh, compared it to the, the cattle push. It's almost like you're just pushing cattle into their assigned spots and that, yeah that happens eventually on a plane anyways but it, it's such a hectic process that is not worth the, the, the reward at the end to then oh to then also get on the plane and sometimes if, even if you're traveling with somebody you don't check in at the same time so you want to sit next to each other but some people like to save seats which obviously is not allowed but since when does anyone do what they're supposed to do Which happened to me, I wanted to sit next to my wife, woman told me, seats saved. I said, there are no assigned seats, so I am sitting there. And then she got mad at me, but in her defense, she was angry at somebody else, some old couple who told her to get the F up, and I I just sort of zoned out afterwards because I know she wasn't mad at me. But then you have instances of that happening, where we're saving seats. So, it was the cheapest flight I could find to my destination, but Southwest Airlines... It is probably the most ass-backwards boarding process in the history of boarding processes, yet they advertise that because there's no assigned seats. It's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. If you ever go on it, or if you're ever in the terminal and you see Southwest, it just take a look at it. It's, it's beyond bizarre. Beyond. And there was one other uh, little, little nugget of information. Well, I had a layover in, in Baltimore. And I was walking around. We had a two-hour layover, so I was just walking around. And I saw a very fat man in a wheelchair being pushed by an airplane airplane airport uh, staffer. And I looked and I said, that looks like Louis Anderson. The fat, uh, well, he's a stand-up comic. I never really saw him do any stand-up. I remember him in Family Feud. And I remember him in Coming to America. He didn't really have much of a role there. But he was held up by Samuel L. Jackson in the McDowell's. Did, they, do movies allow you to do that now? I mean, it was such a ripoff of McDonald's. Even the Golden Arches. John Amos, used, he was the manager in there. He used that as as the slogan. Are they allowed? I, I, I never understood that. I thought copyright infringement. I thought McDonald's would be on that. Come to McDowell's. What? Well, right, Louis Anderson. So I said, I'm pretty sure that's him. And he was being pushed until they got to a... Not an escalator, but one of the walk things that actually went up on a ramp. He was nice enough to get up out of it and lean against the railing until he got to the top where the woman was waiting with the wheelchair there. And I still wasn't sure. I took a picture of him. I'm pretty sure he saw me taking a picture of him. So I probably, yeah, it wasn't the greatest look in the world. But frankly, I don't give a shit. So he then made a, 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 a fan or someone who was thought it was him, came over to him, and I heard him talk. There was no doubt about it. It was him. And I'll tell you, what a pig. His whole career has been... he's lived on being the fat guy, but my lord, he looks terrible. Bloated. Just just disgusting. And I realize he's getting up there in years, but he is not... He, no one should look like he did. I was... Oh boy, but I heard him talk. So I, I, I knew it was him. There was no doubt about that. So that was my experience. I just wanted to share that with you. Southwest, Louie Anderson, you needed to know about both. You've heard about him. You're better for it. And what else we have going on here? Right, the AL East we're going to talk about. The Major League Baseball starts next week for all teams. All teams. And this is one division that you really don't hear a consensus winner. You hear lots of teams can win it. Most teams have a chance, except for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, that is a team that has been decimated by departure. Andrew Friedman, their general manager, goodbye. Their manager, Joel Madden, goodbye. Their outfielder, Will Myers, goodbye. Starting pitcher, last year was traded, David Price, Goodbye. Ben Zobrist, utility infielder, goodbye, and outfielder. And what does that leave right now? That leaves Evan Longoria in a very, very lonely place. And their big pitcher, Alex Cobb, he's hurt. I don't know how serious that is. He was to be the opening day starter. And so I'm not very re- And when did opening us announcing opening day starters, like three weeks before the season, when did when did that start becoming a thing? Who cares? You know what I care when the opening day starter will be? Opening day. Or maybe the day before. Why does everyone feel the need to announce that? As if that's some sort of... I don't even know what it is. It's like a bragging competition. Hey, where he's starting. What is that? That's a a trend I don't like. And I'm putting my foot down. Did you hear it? It's officially down. But the Rays are going to be the one team that's completely out of contention. The other teams in the division. The other four teams all have a shot, in my opinion. All have a shot. You have the New York Yankees, which I've spoke about on the podcast, but I'll do it again. They are a team that, if everything goes right, they may be pretty good. But the injury concerns on that team uh, in every facet of the game, and they're already starting. Brendan Ryan hurt himself, which why is he on the team? And Steven Drew may be moving to shortstop, as D.D. DeGlorious is already hurt. The degrorious thing the Yankees are saying he will be ready for opening day, but Steven Drew is going to be slotted in there. And what many people are wanting the rookie Rob Refschneider, to be playing second base. He may be getting some more reps. I don't know if he's going to make the team. But those are the least of their concerns when it comes to injuries. You have Mark Teixeira, who's a walking and. Just, I mean, if you if you don't know about Mark Teixeira's injuries, then I I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh. Alex Rodriguez, who knows what you're going to get out of him. Who knows how his body is going to... He's not going to play every day, but who knows how his body is going to hold up in a 162-game season. You have an outfield of Jacoby Ellsbury and Carlos Beltran, who are both entirely made out of glass. And a stiff wind will probably paralyze both of them. Brick Gardner is... Well, he he can... Get injuries. He gets just as many injuries as the normal baseball player does. You got to hope for bounce back years from a lot of these guys Teixeira, Beltran, McCann catching. And the whole pitching staff, we haven't even gotten into that yet. The pitching staff of CeCe Sabathia, of Michael Pineda, of Masahiro Tanaka, a ticking time bomb in that elbow that will explode, and we all know it. You have Chris Capuano who's already hurt, I believe, which he's on his last leg anyways. And you bring in Nathan Ivaldi from the Miami Marlins who you traded Martin Prado for. Now, I don't know how much you're expecting from Ivaldi. At the very least, you want him to eat innings. You want him to do something, get 200 innings to, to make this team go. And in the bullpen, you you got to think that, have a decent bullpen, but Batanzas has been struggling. I don't want to get too big into numbers of spring training because spring training is spring training. Spring training, spring training, spring training. Uh, so I don't know where the Yankees will finish. I don't think they'll be last. I don't think they'll be first. So the other three teams, we've talked about the we've talked about the Boston Red Sox on this podcast before. Their hitting is improved. You have a healthy you have a healthy Dustin Pedroya. You bring in Pablo Sanova, what you worry about is weight. He's a pig. And one of these days, it's going to catch up to him. As he's getting older, you get older, that piggishness. When you, keep, when, you got, when you eat out of a trough, you're a pig. And he may be eating out of trough soon. Eventually, that weight's going to catch up to him. Who knows if it'll happen this year, but the Red Sox are playing with fire there. Well, they've signed into to a contract. They know what they're getting into. Hanley Ramirez, probably never lived up to the hype as a rookie with the Miami Marlins, Florida Marlins at the time, but still a solid player. I still think he's only like thirty years old. I'd have to double check that one. Red ticket blues, uh, but you still have a good team there. Mookie Betts is a center fielder. They're expecting a lot of great things out of. Like I said last time, Christian Vasquez may be out for the year. Uh, Their catcher, so that's a question mark as well. A lot of two guys, a lot of a lot, a lot of scouts, a lot of. Uh, pundits, pontificators, prognosticators. I don't know about pontificators. That really doesn't fit, but we'll go with it. Are picking the Red Sox to win it and win the AL East. And I don't know if I really see it. I see them with their pitching issues, with their lack of pitchers. They have number threes. They don't have number ones. If Justin Masterson can't keep the ball down, that was his issue in Cleveland, and he's doing it already here in Boston. You have clay Buckle, so you never know what you'll get out of. Him. (laughs) Dramatic pause. Him. Uh, Joe Kelly's already hurt. It's just a team. It reminds me a lot of the Texas Rangers of the late 90s, early 2000s, where they load up on hitting. Load up. Stock up. Big bats. Beat the hell out of you. And pitching, that is just god-awful. God-awful pitching. I don't know. We'll see what happens with them. And these, I, I, th- I think I'm going in a row here. I feel people think that Boston's going to be in a row, in order. Tampa's going to finish last. I think the Yankees' Red Sox could flip-flop for for the next spots. The top two are the Orioles and Blue Jays. Now, the Orioles are a team that a lot of people think will finish number one in the AL East. I frankly am not really seeing it. I think last year they overachieved and they've lost pieces from last year, Nelson Cruz, who actually led the Major League Baseball in with home runs last year with 40 home runs. But I've said it again, they were all on steroids. 40 home runs led Major League Baseball last year. He's gone. He's with Seattle. Nick Markakis, longtime Oriole has left town as a free agent as well. And now they still have Manny Machado. Hopefully they'll have him healthy as he missed a good part of last year with a knee injury. He says he's fine. We'll see there. Chris Davis, the hard-hitting first baseman, will also be back. Now he was suspended last year for substance, a PED violation, but in reality it was a... uh, What's the uh, medicine... Sherman has it. Richard Sherman has it, too. Jeez, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. Uh, ah... Ah... What the hell was it? Jeez, it's not important, but he now is a prescription sore, so he's good to go. Matt Wieters, the catcher who has really never materialized from all the hype that he's been given. Adderall. (claps) [ew] You. Um got it you didn't think i'd get it either did you but i got it i got it he uh all right right chris davis so he's also hurt and who knows when he'll be back probably i don't know when exactly but he will not start the season season for the orioles this team I, i i just i don't see it i don't know they didn't really add that many pieces to make them that much better they have a pitching staff that's that's pretty decent. Uh, I mean, but you're taking those numbers, you're taking those numbers out of those numbers from Cruz and Marquez out of that lineup. I just don't see where they're going to be able to do what they did last year. I don't know. I I feel like they they'll be okay. I still think they you have a manager in Buck Showalter. Well, people can people can debate how much managers actually mean in the game. I think Buck Showalter's track record has shown that with the Diamondbacks, with the Rangers, and now the Orioles, that he does make a difference. He turns teams around. So remember that. But I think, and this may not be the most popular uh, opinion, but I think the Toronto Blue Jays are going to finish as the best team in the AL East this year. Now, they are perennially a team that always looks great in March. They even look good in April, May. Maybe even June. But July, August, they, they start to falter, and you know, they usually hang around, but not really seriously in the wild card race or division race, and then it ends. So, I'm sorry, I'm getting a pop up on my computer here in my headphones. Excuse me, that's not professional. Uh, But the Blue Jays, what they did was they still have a great, they have great hitters in Jose Batista and Edwin Arcanacion. Injury problems, uh, you know, they, they haunt Batista all the time, and also their shortstop, Jose Reyes, who makes a living on his feet, also sitting on his ass from the DL because of those feet issues. They traded Brett Lowry and brought in third baseman Josh Donaldson from the Oakland A's, which, that is an upgrade. But have they done enough to actually make the next step to go forward? Because they haven't made the playoffs since they won those back-to-back World Series in 1993. They haven't made it that. It was that long ago with Cito Gaston and Roberto Alomar and Joe Carter. All those guys. That was the last time they made the playoffs. And honestly, the, not honestly, it's a fact. The Jays are the only team in baseball that have not reached the playoffs in the Wild Card era. Every single team has made it except for the Toronto Blue Jays a team that like I said every year we, we hear that they're contenders but I think this is their year they also bring in Russell Martin now Russell Martin doesn't give you a lot of pop off the bat like he used to well, I guess he still may still so when he was at the Yankees he he may not had the prettiest average but he, he he had his home runs but he is he's the catcher now for the Blue Jays and this is something that you hear with teams I'm not gonna pretend as if I I am some sort of baseball insider and know this information, but pitchers love him. That he can frame pitches. They think that he, the way he calls a game, makes a big deal. So I'm gonna believe that. Now, I thought he was a pretty good catcher. He seemed like he had that leader mentality, and pitchers did like him when he was with the Yankees. So maybe that makes a difference. He's also agreed to catch knuckleballer R.A. Dickey. That whirlwind of enigma of what the knuckleball is he's ready for that challenge and there's also mark burley on the team so they're they're pitching staff mark burley i don't know how many years he can continue getting by with an 80 mile an hour fastball but time will tell there's also the, now one of the big knocks not knocks but problems not even problems let's put our words together one of the big hits that the team had was their their second-year pitcher, Marcus Stroman, who was supposed to be a major part of this team, tore his ACL in some spring training activities this year. I mean, this was a guy that when he got hurt, people in the clubhouse were visibly upset. He was that big of a part of this puzzle going forward with the Toronto Blue Jays. But it looks like they they're relying a lot on two very young pitchers. Two very young pitchers, in Aaron Sanchez and Daniel Nor- Daniel Aaron Sanchez and Daniel Norris, both very young. They have a total of one major league start between them. So they're, they're living on a prayer here. Not a prayer, but you never know what you're going to get. You, you don't want any. that. Could be an issue with the Blue Jays. That could be a very large issue that they're going forward with two pitchers that have done diddly squat. But I think I think that that this team. Can make the next step, and there's another reason I think they can make. The reason I think that they're going to take this this uh, this division is because it's so ordinary. In in a strong year, I don't think this team would have a chance. But I think with what is in this division, with the Orioles, Yankees, Red Sox, and the lowly Rays, I think the Blue Jays have emerged from the top, and they will win the AL East. That is my prediction. I don't want to say who I'll win the who I think will win the wild card, because we have to talk about the rest of the American League, and we're not going to do that today because you've listened to me long enough. Before we speak again, it looks like oh, I'm at thirty five minutes. Why well, I really rambled, huh? Are you still listening? Is anyone still here? Hello. Uh, basketball will have ended. I am college basketball, I should say. The Final Four will have completed itself in the championship game would probably be over and I don't know what to say I I really hope Wisconsin can pull an upset uh I hope that for whatever reason and I rip Calipari if you listen to the last podcast I ripped him a lot I rip him a lot all the time it's it's a hobby of mine I've done it forever I feel like it's in my blood to rip that man but at the same time you have to give him all the credit in the world because what he does for the team on the court Forget how he gets the players. Once they're there, he knows what to do. He knows what to do. And I wish Wisconsin luck because I do not want to see Kentucky win. Maybe that's not very professional of me, but I don't care. That's what I want to win. And so with the words of reggae legend Jimmy Cliff, who turns 67 years old today, just remember, because it doesn't matter how big you are, anybody can still fall i'm out of here What's